Well, good morning, y'all. I hear a, a lot of people say, and I'm sure that you do too, <clears throat> I am a spiritual person, but I'm not religious. And I think what they're really saying is that while they may believe that there is a God that is out there somewhere in some capacity, that I really don't buy into the whole religious thing and I don't want to affiliate with any kind of organized religion because I want to be free to believe what I want to believe without having anybody else's beliefs forced upon me. I'd probably be willing to bet that you know there's some people in this room that subscribe to that and a lot of people in a lot of churches that subscribe to that. But here's the question that we're going to seek to answer this morning. What are your beliefs based on? When you look at the tenets of your beliefs, what are they based on? For a lot of us, it's a little like voodoo. I hear this from a lot of missionaries that in uh, Haiti, um, voodoo is such a part of the culture of the people that even when somebody becomes a Christian, they tend to incorporate a little voodoo in with their Christian faith. And I'm guessing that there's a whole lot of us with a little voodoo going on. We mix our own little faith cocktail, right? We have some of our little Americanized beliefs that we've created. We have uh, picked up some of the beliefs that we've picked up in the church over the years, and we sprinkle it with just a smidgen of some beliefs that we've made up on our own. And it becomes this mix that is way more about me than it is about the tenets of the Christian faith. In other words, we dilute our faith to the point that we may not even be able to recognize that this is Christianity after all of that. It's just something we made up in our head. It amazes me how we spend so much time in our culture um, in education and training, whether we're trying to educate ourselves on particular subjects or training or studying to try to get better at our careers, but the time that we spend actually being able to put into practice the education that we receive is like a drop in the bucket compared to the amount of time that we will spend in all of eternity. And yet, we do very little, if anything at all, to think through, to study, to better understand what comes next when we leave this world. Most of us, we tend to leave it up to fate. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. If you know me at all, you know that I think that it's extremely important that we all think through our beliefs in a very significant way, but that we also build our faith, that we don't rely on the faith of our parents or our families, or our customs, or cultures, or just because we were raised in the church, but that we actually build a faith that's ours. A faith with our own two hands, so to speak. And that is to say that we, we think through it, 
We study it, we question it, we, we struggle with it, we tear it apart until it becomes something that I can really own, until it is something that defines me, defines who I am. And so this morning we are going to embark on what is probably the longest series that we've ever done in the uh, 20-year history of Westridge. Uh, Greg and I are going to spend at least the next four months, I kind of got in my head that we might extend it to five here. I thought maybe we could just preach until it gets warm outside, you know, in the series. Uh, But we're going to highlight what we believe are some of the most important parts as we walk through the Bible to really help everybody to connect the dots so that we can fully understand the story of the Bible. And what our hope is that by the end of the series, we can all put together what I call a systematic theology, which is to say a framework of the major tenets of the Christian faith that set it apart from other world religions and worldviews. Now, that does not mean that you're going to walk out of here with all the answers, right? Because there are so many unknowns that we can't answer. In fact, I would say there are more unknowns than knowns. That's why we call it faith. But the truth is that there are a lot of us who have never, ever taken the time to think through what it is that we really believe. We've never taken the time to think through what our faith is based on. We've never taken the time to really sit down and understand why it is that we believe the Bible or if we believe the Bible and are our beliefs based on the Bible because everything that we know and believe about the Christian faith is contained within the pages of this book. And so if we're going to put our trust in something, we better know dang well that this is worth my time, that this is a reliable source of truth that I'm going to stake my life on. And so this morning, I just want you to ask, answer the question. What is it that I really believe about this book? This morning, I want to uh, give a quick um, introduction to this series by really uh, expanding on that idea and talking a bit about our quest for truth and really establishing our... Uh, our source for truth, because quite frankly, a lot of us believe stuff, and we don't even know where that belief came from. And if we have a set of beliefs that aren't based on something reliable, then what do we have? What are we basing our lives on? What are we basing our truth on? And so really in this series, what we're hoping to do is just to open it up so that we can figure out whether we're going to believe in the Bible or not. And as many of you know, I'm a, I'm a strong uh, skeptic by nature, and this Christianity stuff doesn't come naturally for me. It's been a lot of work for me throughout my life uh, to build my faith. And uh, this, this morning, I just want to let you a little bit into my head, which is a dark, scary place to um, get into, but uh, to really talk about how it is that I determined that I would base my own beliefs, and maybe you can find some connection through that. And I will tell you that today and in this series, I'm not going to sit up here and try to convince you to believe what I believe. 
I, I don't see it as my job to prove that I'm right and you're wrong. Um, it's not my job to convert you to my point of view. It's not my job to prove the existence of God. I can't. It's not my job to even prove to you that the Bible is true. That's something that you have to determine as if it's going to be your source of truth, you have to determine that. It's, what it is, is it's my job to really make sure that you've thought through everything in a really thorough way. Because so many of, us, many of us just never, ever even think it through. And so that we can make a decision for ourselves that is based on something, that is based on some truth and has some foundation to it so we're just not leaving our eternal existence to roll the dice. Right? And so I respect, at the end of the series, if you come every week and you like sit here and you listen, and at, at the end of the series, if you go, you know what, I don't believe in the Bible, I don't believe in this Christianity stuff, I totally respect your decision about that. And I'm not going to sit here and try to convert you to it. We can sit down and have a glass of wine and uh, enjoy a friendship together. But what so many of us don't do is we just don't think through it in a really meaningful way. And so I hope that through our time together, that you can figure out what, if, if it's not going to be the Bible, what is the source of truth for you? What are you going to stake your life on? So let me set this up a bit. You know, when we're out there and we're looking at the world of possibilities of what we can believe in, and, and I'm talking about the, beyond the realms of this world, right? The, the spiritual realms, God, afterlife, origin of life, the world of possibilities that, you know, that are pretty clear that you can believe in, actually kind of show up when you do polls of Americans in terms of what their beliefs are. And so if you look at it from the United States point of view, I think it was a, 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 it was a poll that was done about two years ago, 40 to 50% Americans call themselves Christian and they go to church on a regular basis. So you might, you might click that box and that might be you, all right? 40 to 50% would call themselves Christian but have no religious affiliation, which means that they don't go to church. They wouldn't really subscribe to any denomination or non-denomination or any church per se and probably don't even prescribe to the Bible as being the word of God. So they would call themselves Christian but no religious affiliation. 4% would identify with other religions, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism for the big ones. And then 3% would say that they're atheists, that they don't believe in God at all. Now, obviously, if you go to other countries, the percentages change, right? You go to Israel, the largest majority are going to say that they're Jewish. And if you go into Baghdad, the largest majority are going to say that they're Islamic. But what's interesting about those statistics to me, and even if you take this into uh, throughout the entire world, very few people are atheists. Very few people would really consider themselves to be true atheists, which really means that it doesn't have anything to do with Christianity or not believing in Christianity. It means that I don't believe there's a God. There's nothing up there, that this whole thing was an accident. We are predestined to do whatever we're doing because of the chemicals that are churning and burning, and we are true atheists, only 3%, which tells me that most of us are wired. We were born with this innate sense of God, that there really is something more. Now, if you start with that premise, then the question is, what is your source of truth about believing that? Is it just your gut? 
Or what is it that you find to be true? And when you look at you know, all the people that call themselves Christians, I, I would guess that many of those people, the majority of those who call themselves Christians, don't believe that the Bible is the authoritative word of God. There might even be a lot of people in this church and other churches that don't believe that the Bible is the authoritative word of God. Here's the issue with that. The only source of information that we have about Jesus, where you can actually call yourself a Christian, because by its very definition, a Christian is somebody who's a follower of Jesus, right? The only information that we have about Jesus is what we read in the Bible. I mean, other than a couple really minor historical references with historians like Josephus or Tessius, Jesus is just kind of barely referenced in those, in those books, but it's only the Bible that gives you enough information to understand how Jesus lived, that he existed, that, you know, what he did, the miracles that he performed, who he was as a person, and is he really worthy of me following him? And so when I built my own belief system, I had to look at all the sources of truth that were out there, right? And so for me, I really wanted to take into account the world religions. I didn't want to just take for granted that Christianity was righteous because I was born in America and the majority of us um, you know, adhere to the Christian faith. I really wanted to explore this. And so as I delved deeper into them, I realized that I just couldn't stake my beliefs on them. Because when I got deeper, for instance, I discovered that Buddhism, while there's some really cool stuff about meditation and, and things in, in Buddhism, I realized that Buddhism was never even intended to be a religion. It, it is more of a spiritual practice than a religion. And you find also that Muhammad actually studied and believed in the Christian faith before declaring himself a prophet of Islam. When you look at Hinduism, you realize that they will accept any truth that you accept as truth. And Judaism believes exactly what we believe all the way down the line until we have our departure point at Jesus, and then you have to ask yourself, what is it that I believe about Jesus, and what's my source of truth about Jesus? I looked at atheism in a really honest way, and when you finally get past just the sheer depression of it, I also realized that it takes just as much faith to not believe in God and to believe that everything is accidental. When you really study you know, the world and how everything works, it takes just as much faith to not believe as it does to believe that there is a God out there who created the world and who is the author of this book. And so the issue is, no matter what it is that you choose, you're going to have to put your faith in something. You can try to get all scientific and say, you know, I'm going to just go with this, what the scientific proof is. Delve into that science. Delve into the gaps on evolution and some of those things. I love science. I think it's done incredible things, but it's not the end-all and be-all. No matter what it is that we choose to believe in and to have as our source of truth, it takes faith. It takes faith. And the question is, what are you going to base your faith on? My guess is there are a whole lot of people. I would just venture to say, just based on conversations, there are more people than not who are basing their faith on something in their gut. Where they've kind of made up their own thing and go, well, this is what I believe. And like I said, part of it may be from the Bible, part of it may be what they learned in church, part of it what maybe their mom taught them about you know, putting a stocking hat on when it goes in the cold, whatever it is. A lot of us are believing in, in the basis of truth from our gut. 
And so you have to ask yourself, is whatever is the basis of my truth, is it really worth me staking my life on? Am I willing to walk out of this world and into the next with the foundation that I have and the basis and source of truth that I have? So after a lot of study and soul searching, I realized that there's a lot of unknowns. I cannot prove the existence of God as much as I'd like to try. I can't prove creation. I can't prove evolution. I suddenly realized, really, when you kind of break it all down, there's really only one thing for me that I realized that was reliable enough that I could base my beliefs on. And that is the Bible. The more you dig into the origin of the Bible and understanding the origins of the Bible, there is overwhelming proof that the Bible can be trusted. And this is what I'm basing my faith on. There are a lot of people who uh, think that the Bible just somehow fell out of the sky, hit somebody in the head and said, oops, there it is, and then boom, we had God's word. Right? It didn't happen that way. Uh, It was way more complicated, and I would say even way more miraculous than even that. So I'm going to spend just a couple minutes just talking about the origin of the Bible, because a lot of people probably don't know kind of the origin of the scriptures. So the word Bible comes from a Greek word that is plural, and it means the scrolls or the books. And the reason why that's important is because a lot of us tend to look at the Bible as a single book. Right? We get it all kind of in a nice leather binding and we look at it as one book. When actually, this is 66 separate books that have been written over hundreds and hundreds of years by more than 40 different authors that have all been brought together under one binding for our convenience. 66 books. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says... All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now there's a lot in that passage, but the part that I want to focus in on is that it is stating unequivocally that the Bible really is the word of God. We don't know exactly how, but we believe that somehow God inspired the authors of these books to make sure that whatever it is that he wanted to communicate got communicated and written down. Soon after the establishment of the Christian faith, some 2,000 years ago, the early church realized there had to be some criteria for establishing what would make it into the Bible and what wouldn't. So they created what was called the canon. And the canon is a rule or a measurement. And by its definition, it is the standard by which the books of the Bible are measured to see if they are true and accepted as being the word of God. Compared to the New Testament, the Old Testament actually, to my surprise, was pretty straightforward. Because the Old Testament was always recognized by the people of God as being the word of God. And so these scriptures were passed down from generation to generation to generation and had authenticity even before Jesus ever hit the scene. And so the Old Testament, when it talks about Jesus teaching from the scriptures, he taught from 
the same scriptures that I hold in my hand. The same scriptures that I hold in my hand are the same scriptures that Jesus held in his. Jesus recognized that the Old Testament was the inspired word of God. And so if you believe in Jesus, so everything has a domino effect about our beliefs. I just want everybody to understand that. So if we believe in Jesus, then we're also believing that Jesus said that this really is, the Old Testament really is the word of God. And so it was very little controversy when it came into accepting the Old Testament of the Bible. The New Testament, on the other hand, took a couple hundred years to agree on. And the New Testament is actually a collection of 27 books and letters collected by the early church and recognized by the early church as being the inspired word of God from the time that they were first written. Now you may say, okay, well that was a slam dunk, so then why does there need to be some criteria? There had to be criteria because there were other people trying to introduce other books as being the word of God, even though they weren't. And so the early church realized they had to set up some criteria for accepting and not accepting books into the Bible. And so the canon was set up to ensure that not only the books that were authenticated would be accepted into the Bible, but they surely were the Word of God. And so there was a set of four major uh, criteria that were established by the early church as a litmus test to find out if a book was accepted or not. The first one was, was it written by an apostle of God? Was it one of the apostles that, that wrote the book? The author of the book or letter had to be recognized as an authorized person of God who had connection to Jesus in some way, direct connection. In other words, you know, some dude couldn't come off the street and say, hey, I'm a person of God, and here's a book of God, and you know, I want this put in the Bible. It didn't work like that. They set up the criteria to exclude those things, and so, for instance, like the book of Revelation, which gets into some crazy stuff, it probably wouldn't have been accepted into the canon had it not been for the Apostle John. The Apostle John gave that book credibility, and so they chose that that was a reliable source of truth because of the Apostle John's relationship with Jesus. Second criteria, or litmus test, is, is the message of the text of sound doctrine. Is it consistent with what the rest of the scriptures say about God? So again, for instance, in the book of Revelation, while it may not have been accepted into the canon if it wasn't for John, it it also had to pass the criteria of, is it consistent theologically with the rest of the Bible? So there's nothing in the book of Revelation that contradicts the rest of the Bible. It is consistent with the theology and the teaching of the rest of the Bible. Third, does it speak to the power of God and the Holy Spirit? Um, In other words, does it give God credit? Does it point to the power of God? Or does it point to some early uh, historian or author? And then fourth was the book acknowledged by the early church as being uh, the credible word of God. So as I said, the 27 books and letters that we have were absolutely accepted as the word of God right from the very beginning. And so these were authenticated. So these were the rules of canonicity And from these standards, the 27 books of the New Testament were all accepted as the authoritative word of God. Whew, there's some good material for you, huh? You guys are half asleep. So here's what I want you to know when we we kind of get down to it. We at Westridge, we believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. And we accept it, it in its entirety 
And when we make a decision to teach something, we teach only that which we believe the Bible teaches. And so, just to be honest with you, there are things in the Bible that I personally don't agree with, that if I were God, I probably wouldn't institute, but thank God that, it, you know, from your perspective that I'm not God. But my opinion doesn't matter. My opinion doesn't amount to a hill of beans. And it's what the Bible says that matters, and we will always teach what the Bible says rather than what our opinion is. And if we say, if we, if we are teaching something where we bring our opinion in, we say, this is our opinion, so that everybody knows this is not authoritative, this is our opinion. Otherwise, you have no reason to trust what I say. You really have no reason to trust what Greg says, because I, I don't know half the stuff that comes out of that dude. But truthfully, like, you know, we, we so blindly accept, you know, pastors and teachers and we put them up on pedestals because they have such knowledge of the Bible. And I'm just telling you, there's no experts in the Bible. The Bible wasn't written so that a bunch of scholars and theologians could, like, own it and then, you know, kind of do all the teaching and we sit back and just listen. It's just not the case. I mean, we're all a bunch of messed up people looking for the truth. And the Bible was written so that we could all equally encounter God in the pages of this book. That's why it was written. Not so that somebody has an exclusive. I mean, look, Jesus fought against the whole Pharisee thing and the religious snobism. I mean, he fought against that the whole time. And so what we teach here doesn't come from some denominational board. It's not from us sitting around up in the church office making up you know, new rules about the Christian faith, although I think that would be kind of fun, and I think I could add some value. Um, but it, it, it's none of that. Everything we do is based on what we believe about what the Bible teaches because we believe it is the authoritative Word of God and it is our only source of truth. But here's the rub. Here is the tough thing right here. There are things that are written in this Bible that probably don't fit with what you have in your head. There are things that are written in this Bible that counterdict the religion that we've made up in our gut. There are truths in the Bible that you probably don't agree with and you have to ask yourself, what do I do with that? Because if I'm going to accept this as my source of truth, you either have to accept the entire Bible as being true, or none of it. It's either all the Word of God, or none of it is. We don't get a pick. That means that you not only accept the verses that say that we're going to end up in heaven by the grace of God through faith, which is beautiful, but we also have to accept the part of the Bible that clearly says that there's a hell and there will be moral people who will go to hell because they haven't accepted Jesus Christ. And that's nothing that I'm throwing out there. That's something that God created. That's his choice. That's his decision. It's the cold, hard truth of the Bible. It also means that you not only accept the verses that say that God wants you to live a fulfilling, prosperous life, but you also have to accept all the dang verses that talk about giving away your money. 
give an offering and loving your enemies and putting other people before yourselves and serving other people and serving the least of these as a priority in our life. What do you believe? What do you really believe about this book? I will warn you that we are in dangerous ground right now. Because whatever it is that we choose will dictate where we go with this in our own personal beliefs. It means that you can't just pick and choose what you want to believe about what is contained in the Bible, that if you accept that God created the world, then you have to accept that Moses parted the Red Sea and crazy miracles like some donkey talking to some dude. Jesus turning water into really good wine, I bet. If you believe that Jesus was a good man that once lived and a good teacher, what's your source of truth for that? If you accept that, then how can you not accept that he died on a cross for our sins and he was resurrected as the Son of God? Are you picking up when I'm laying down here? This is one of those black and white, clear-cut issues of the Christian faith. It's either all the Word of God or none of it is. We don't get a pick. And so if you're heading down this path that the Bible is true, you're heading down a path that will now determine how you should then live. Because you're making a decision that my life My life will be framed by what is contained in this book. That what I do and what I say, what I dream about is determined by what I believe about what is in the pages of this Bible. And my guess is, change is required if we accept this as truth. we got to go in eyes wide open. It's important to know that all of the evidence that's out there about the Bible being true, that in every category that the Bible could ever be tested in, it is always tested true. And next week, Greg is going to go deeper on this point on the, on the proof side, but I believe that what we have in our hands today is the inspired Word of God. And it's the only thing for me that I am willing to stake my life on. It is the only thing that as I walk out of this world and into the next that I'm willing to base my beliefs on. Which brings me back to my original question. What is the basis of your belief? What is your faith based on? Whatever is in your head about this whole thing and how it works What's your source of truth? What do you really believe about this book?